Greetings all and welcome to the very first episode of the Everyday Hope Podcast. I'm so glad you decided to spend a little time with me today. And in this episode, I want to talk about a subject that might be affecting just about everybody these days. It's the question, why? So my wife and I watched the movie I Still Believe last week. It's a story of Jeremy Camp and Melissa Henning, how they met, fell in love, and then suffered some extremely difficult times. Melissa was diagnosed with cancer, then went into remission, then shortly after they were married, it returned, and she did not survive it. And yes, that's an oversimplification of the story, but as I watched the movie, I was struck with how common the basic idea of this story is. Sometimes people experience terrible tragedy. Wait, no, that's, that's not it. It's, it's this. Sometimes people of true and deep faith experience terrible tragedy. And the God in whom they put their faith does not respond to their prayers for healing or rescue them in the way that they hope or expect. I don't care who you are. That's a difficult pill to swallow. I imagine that even those who do not believe in Jesus would look at this situation and think, if God won't lift a finger to heal his devout followers, then he must not exist. And if you're a believer, I mean, that's just rough. You know, we've been given promises, right? There are promises in scripture. Um, think about Matthew 7, 7 to 11, which contains one of my favorite verses. It says, ask and it will be given to you. Search and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks receives and everyone who searches finds. And for everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Is there anyone among you who, if your child asks for bread, will give a stone? Or if the child asks for a fish, will give a snake? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? And John 16, 23 to 24 says, Very truly I tell you, if you ask anything of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be complete. And then there's Psalm 37, 4, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Matthew 21, 22, whatever you ask for in prayer with faith, you will receive. John 15, 7, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. John 14, 13 to 14, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the father may be glorified in the son. If in my name you ask me for anything, I will do it. I could keep going. How do we process this? Devout people ask for things in the name of Jesus and then don't receive it. I'm sure the camps delighted in the Lord. I'm sure they prayed in faith. I believe that the words of the Lord did abide in both of them. So what gives? Harumph, right? Okay, so this is a big topic. And as you'll see, it's a mostly unanswerable topic. But for now, I just want to focus on one interesting aspect of this whole debate and that's the question, why? Have you ever thought about this question? I've asked it. I've screamed it. Like many of you, I've shouted it at the heavens more as an accusation than a question. I've been in hospital chapels, pouring out my heart to the Lord, only to lose the person over whom I had prayed so faithfully. And heck, I'm a pastor. I mean, I should get extra points, right? I mean, God might not answer your prayers, but mine should get special attention. Why? Why? Even... Can I, can I say this? Why, damn it? Why, damn it? Ever thought about that question? Why? 
I've been thinking about it for a while, and it occurs to me that the question itself is born from unmet expectations. When you ask why, it's because you expected one thing and got something else. And remember, I'm not talking about the curious why. Why is the sky blue, or why is the grass greener? Why do birds suddenly appear every time you are near? I'm talking about the why we shout at God when bad things happen to good people. With me? Unmet expectations. I expected God to do something other than he did. I expected A, and God did B. I expected A, and he did nothing. I expected nothing, but B happened to me anyway. Unmet expectations. Or... To say it another more painful way, God failed to live up to my expectations. Okay, well, now we've done it. Now we've said it out loud. You can't put that back in the bottle, right? That's, that's like toothpaste. Might as well just sit here and wait for the lightning bolt to strike me dead. Yeah, no lightning bolt. Maybe that's the first thing we need to realize. Sometimes we have this view of God that, well, that he's fragile, Like most humans, he's so thin-skinned that if we express our anger or disappointment, he'll just destroy us because he can't take it. I want you to dismiss that notion. God can take it. In fact, he prefers honest emotion to pretense. Besides, if you're thinking it or feeling it, he already knows, so you might as well talk to him about it. Ever read Job? That man whined to God for 28 chapters. And in the end, God determined that Job did not sin. Apparently, true lament is okay with God. He can take it. Sure, he has no sense of humor about anyone impugning his holiness, but he can take our lament. In fact, he welcomes it. So if you're hurting, be honest with God. He can take it. Okay, then let's deal with the notion that God has failed to live up to my expectations. I'd I'd like to make three comments about the situation. First, we need to understand that we do actually have expectations of God. And second... Yes, I'm going to throw Isaiah 55 at you. And third, I think we need to talk about freedom. So let's get into it. First things first. Many religious folks have the idea that human beings should not have expectations of God. It's a nice sentiment, but it's easier said than done. We're human beings. We're driven by emotion and we respond to stimuli. We have expectations about folks based on our experiences of life, of ourselves, and of others. Now, sometimes our expectations are based on terrible foundations. Sometimes we say to ourselves, maybe even subconsciously, I'd do X, Y, and then Z, so all other humans should act the same way. Okay, that's not a great way to interact with folks. Expecting everyone to do and say things just as you do, well, that is a recipe for a long and disappointing life. Sometimes we base expectations on people in general. We say, again, maybe subconsciously, well, you know, most people would do X, Y, and Z, so I expect people in general to act this way. That's a little less crazy and might only result in intermittent disappointment. But sometimes when we're really clicking on all cylinders, you know, grown-ups, we might say, I will base my expectations of Joe on Joe. If I observe Joe doing Y, then Z, then X, I will expect that pattern of behavior from Joe. In other words, just expect Joe to be like Joe. And I only truly get disappointed when Joe acts differently than he normally would. But what do we do with God? Do I expect God to act like me? Do I think to myself, well, this is what I would do in this situation, so I expect God to do that too. (laughs) Wow, that sounds like a recipe for disaster. 
Unfortunately, I think it happens way too often. I've done it, haven't you? Haven't you ever been in a situation where you know just the perfect way out, the perfect solution? Maybe you have even presented that solution to God and requested that he execute it for you. I've done it. And I can say with confidence, I think I'm wrong when I do that. My unmet expectations in those situations are really my fault because with very few exceptions, I am not God and he's generally smarter than me. Or maybe I expect God to act like a normal person would. Do I expect him to do what any normal person would do? Do I categorize God in the basically human category and expect him to act like us all the time? You know, I think I do that sometimes. Maybe not as often as the first one, but I've done this. I've forgotten Isaiah 55 lots of times, but hang on. We'll get to that later. What I don't do often enough is expect God to act like God. What I should do more often is think about how God usually responds to stuff and just expect him to do that. I think I'd be happier if I did that more often. But you know, if you stop and think about it, what I really want to do, what I hope I'll do when I grow up, is to stop expecting things from God altogether. I want to be the person that simply receives from God's hand rain or sunshine and thanks him with a glad heart for my life. But yeah, I struggle with that too. Okay, so we have expectations of God, and I think the more we're aware of those expectations and how we set them, the better we'll get at, you know, not doing that. Okay, that's number one, expectations of God. Now let's talk about number two. I promised I was going to throw Isaiah 55 at you, so here we go. I think humans make a common mistake. We think of God as superhuman. We imagine what the best possible human would look like and assign that nature to God the Father. I think that sometimes fuels our expectations that God will act like a normal person. But Isaiah 55 verses 8 to 9, it dispels that myth. The passage says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. God reminds us that he doesn't think the way we do, and he doesn't act the way we do, and the difference between us is immeasurable. God is not superhuman. God is wholly other. He is God. So when my expectations of God are not met, I need to stop and ask myself, did I expect God to act like me? Did I expect God to just act like a normal person? Because if I did, I set myself up for disappointment, and that is not God's fault. With me? God is God. God is, I mean, he's God. He's bigger and wiser and holier and more capable than our minds can even fathom. He is juggling events in human history, stretching back into the past and forward into the future in ways we can't even comprehend. He stands in the present at every point on our measly timeline. He is the infinitely present God, the now, all the time. He doesn't look into the future and try to make decisions based on what will happen. He is present then as he is now, and he is managing all of it all the time. I can't even. I mean, I can't even. So these are the issues. Number one, we have expectations of God and we usually base them on the wrong stuff. And two, look, God is God and his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And all of this gets us to number three. Look, the biggest struggle we have is embracing the freedom of God. Think about it. I want free will. I get all bunched up when I think someone is messing with my free will. But I'm a creature. 
a speck in the grand universe. I remember a scene in the Hitchhiker's Guide stories when Zephod Beeblebrox is put into a machine that instantaneously shows you how small you are in the infinite hugeness of the universe. That machine was meant to destroy people, giving them a glimpse of how small you really are. So if I struggle with my own freedom being such a speck, imagine what it must be like for a being who is actually free. God is free. He is the only truly free being that exists. He can do what he wants, when he wants, how he wants, and there is no one to hold him in check but God himself. He owes us nothing. Nothing. I know that's a tough idea to grasp for Americans who prize our freedom so highly, but God owes us nothing. Even the breath in our lungs is a gift from God. So when we grapple with expectations, our expectations of God, we're really trying to obligate God to act a certain way for us on command. And boom, just like that, we're back to the genie in the bottle. Don't we sometimes treat God like a genie? We take the bottle down from our shelf and we rub it and out he pops. And now he has to grant our wishes, right? We tell him what we want or need and he has to do it. But God is not a genie. He is God. He is totally free and does what he knows is best for us, for others, and for him on a scale we can't even imagine using information we can't even know exists. And so, yeah, sometimes God doesn't do what we expect or does things differently than we expect. Sometimes he answers our prayers in ways that are very different from what we were hoping. Sometimes it seems like he doesn't answer them, which isn't true. Sometimes he just says no. And I don't know why. I don't, I just don't, not all the time. Sometimes I'm left to say, hey, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And in those moments, I truly, I try really, really hard to mean it. So look, if you're struggling with this, if you've suffered, if friends or loved ones have suffered, if you're struggling to make sense of it all with why God did or did not do a certain thing, my advice is to stop, take a breath, and in the midst of your struggle, acknowledge that God is God, even when he makes no sense to us, which frankly isn't that surprising. In the midst of your struggle, Cry out to him. Yell if you need to. Let it out. Be honest. Let him hear your anger and your pain and let him comfort you. Because, my friends, there is comfort even when we don't understand. When we allow God to be God, we can also allow him to give us unexplainable peace in our suffering. And that's a real thing, too. So, friends, let me pray for you right now. Wherever you're at, if you're driving, don't close your eyes. Keep your eyes on the road. If you're watching young kids in the pool, please keep your eyes on the kids. God can hear your prayers even when your eyes are open. But let your heart pray with me now. Lord, I have no idea who is listening to my voice right now, who has joined this prayer, but you do. I know that you do, and I know that you love them. And what they struggle with right now matters to you. So I lift them up to you wherever they are. And I pray, Lord, that you will garrison around them with your peace. That you will protect them, guide them, walk them through whatever dark valley they find themselves in. And bring them out from that darkness into your light. For their good and for the glory of your holy name. We thank and praise you and ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to thank you all for joining me this week. I'll see you in the next episode with some more everyday help. God bless you.